Hello, welcome back to Unwatchable. This is your host, Chloe Rodriguez. Today's episode is a continuation of our series, When It Became Unwatchable, and today we are going to be focusing on the show Scrubs. Now, before I begin, I wanted to give a quick shout out to anybody who might be listening on the Patreon. If you didn't see, two weeks ago, we launched our Patreon page. I will have that linked in the description as well as the Instagram bio at Unwatchable with Chloe Rodriguez. If you guys are interested in joining the Patreon, you definitely should because A, you get to listen to episodes unwatchable a day before everybody else. You get an exclusive premiere that nobody else gets to experience. That's something that's just for you on Patreon. Something else that's happening on Patreon is that there will be exclusive content coming out that you won't be able to get anywhere else. That's right, you have to sign up on the Patreon account if you want to get some killer bonus episodes from Unwatchable, and I know that you do, so please sign up for that, you guys. I have some really fun episodes coming out on the Patreon. I couldn't be more excited to get things going there, so feel free to sign up. It's it's very cheap. Uh, it's a very minimal charge, so go check it out. And, uh, you know, that's a good way to support me because I don't get paid. I don't get sponsored. I am just doing this for fun. And if you like what you're hearing, maybe maybe go on Patreon and, and float me a little bit of cash. That would be much appreciated. And now that the mandatory Patreon plugging is out of the way, I would like to get into today's main topic if you guys have not listened to another episode of my When It Became Unwatchable series, what I like to do in this series is go through an entire season of a show. I watch it. I take vigilant notes. I go through it season by season to pinpoint the exact moment that that show became unwatchable. Now, in my opinion, there are two main points of decline in a series. One is the initial point of decline where there is a tonal shift or something takes place in the show that changes the parameters of that world. And even though it's still something you enjoy watching, you recognize as an audience member that it's not the same as it once was. Uh, in common vernacular, we refer to that as jumping the shark. However, there is a second point of decline in a lot of sitcoms that go on for far too long, and that is the point where it becomes unwatchable. So that's what we talk about on this series. And once again, I would like to give the disclaimer that the shows that I focus on on this series are not shows that I have deemed overall terrible. Uh, I don't pick a show that I think is just all around bad because then there is no point of decline. It was already uh, not worth saving to begin with. It was already bad. So instead I focus on shows in this series that are overall good and we try to analyze what takes a sitcom from being a good show into being an unwatchable one. And today I am focusing on the nine seasons of Scrubs. That's right, you guys. I rewatched nine seasons of Scrubs pretty much for two months straight. I've been binging this show uh, and I've got a lot of thoughts. So let's dive right into it. 
Now, a brief overview, Scrubs is a medical comedy sitcom that aired from October 2nd, 2001 to March 17th, 2010. Uh, Originally, it premiered on NBC, but it later started airing on ABC, which I will get into a little bit later. Uh, This show was created by Bill Lawrence, who is a prominent television writer. He is also the creator of shows like Spin City, Cougar Town, and this amazing, amazing pilot that I just have to touch on very quickly. Years and years ago, Bill Lawrence wrote this pilot called Nobody's Watching, and it was starring Taryn Killam and Paul Campbell, and it was about these two guys from Ohio who are obsessed with television, and they go to the WB to try to create their own show because they claim that all television is horrible and that they can make something better. But what they don't know is that the WB has actually secretly created a reality TV show about them trying to create a show. And it's just so crazy and meta. And it's one of the best pilots I've ever seen. It was leaked onto YouTube in 2006, and I used to watch it like every couple of months. I was like so obsessed with this pilot. It's called Nobody's Watching, uh, but its alternate title was Derek and Will Go to Hollywood. And they had this wonderful musical sting inside of it that went, Derek and Will go to Hollywood. And I think about it every single day of my life. Uh, So I just have to give a shout out to Bill Lawrence on that one. I have No idea if that pilot is still available to watch on the internet, but if it is, you guys should definitely do a deep dive and watch it because it's insane and incredible and it never aired and the show obviously never made it to air because it was just so convoluted and complex and I don't think you could have even done a full more than a season of that show, but damn, it was such a good concept. So anyway, sorry about that tangent, but please go check out uh, Nobody's Watching if you can find it. Uh, and if not, if, if for nothing else, just to listen to the musical sting of Derek and Will go to Hollywood, which I think I just did a lot better that second time. The point is, Bill Lawrence is a writer who is very creative and tends to go for more out-of-the-box sitcom ideas He's not going to give you friends. He's not going to give you how I met your mother. But he is going to give you something goofy and fun and silly. And Scrubs definitely falls under that description, as well as having a lot of moments of really good drama and a lot of heart. The inspiration for Scrubs came to Bill Lawrence through one of his close friends, Dr. Jonathan Doris, who was a resident in internal medicine at Brown Medical School. At the time, medical dramas like General Hospital and ER were super popular, but we hadn't really seen anything on television that showed the comedic side of what it was like to work in a hospital. And it's also worth noting that throughout the course of its run, medical dramas only served to gain in popularity, such as the show Grey's Anatomy, which premiered in 2005, a couple years into the run of Scrubs, and the show House, which premiered in 2004. And Scrubs always knew what it was up against, even going so far as to parody the show House in the season 6, episode 4 episode aptly named My House. 
in which we see Dr. Cox taking on the mannerisms and even the limp of the titular doctor of that show, made even funnier by the fact that both of those characters seem to have a similar curmudgeonly and antisocial disposition. My point in saying all of this is that the medical drama or the medical show itself was nothing new, but Bill Lawrence's approach to it was. This is in no way meant to put down Grey's Anatomy or any other kind of medical drama, but it's not hard to focus on the dramatic aspects of working in a hospital. Built into the job itself is the idea that you're going to have to see other human beings in pain and sick and possibly dying. So it was very interesting that Bill Lawrence wanted to approach this from the standpoint of comedy. Not to mention that his writing style is very slapstick and goofy. So you're taking a genre that is already proven to be popular and you're adding in an entirely different kind of tone and spin on it and you get scrubs. These first eight seasons were filmed in an actual hospital. Even the home sets were filmed at this hospital. Uh, Dr. Cox's apartment set is in another area of the actual hospital. And you'll notice this in the earlier seasons where some of the home sets don't really seem that well decorated or well lit. And that's because they were working with abandoned hospital space. I think that's really interesting. Uh, In the show, uh, Sacred Heart is a teaching hospital And in real life, everything was filmed at the North Hollywood Medical Center, which was a decommissioned hospital. It was really important to Bill Lawrence that this show look realistic. He didn't want to go for a fake Hollywood sitcom-y looking set. Uh, This is also one of the reasons that they went for a single cam format as opposed to a multi-cam format. This also helps them hit the emotional arcs of the show a little bit more. Uh, This is kind of a point that's made in the actual show itself. The 17th episode in season four, My Life in Four Cameras, kind of gives us a peek into what this show would have been like if they had gone the full Monty and done the traditional multicam sitcom style for this show, and thank God that they didn't. Now, starting off in season one, that's where you're really finding out a lot about this main core group of friends, JD, Elliot, and Turk. I would say specifically JD and Turk's characters are more fleshed out in this first season. Turk, of course, being like the jock competitive surgical intern, and JD being the emotional and sensitive internal medicine intern. I'll talk about Elliot a little bit more in the later seasons because I don't think her character is as fleshed out in this first season. I feel like she's really mostly there as JD's love interest, and I really like it when her neurotic tendencies start to really be fleshed out in the subsequent seasons. Usually in this series, I specifically go through each season one by one um, and go through every specific major character arc that was important that happened in that season. But for Scrubs specifically, I think I'm going to group the seasons together just a little bit more and focus on it character by character, just because I think that'll make a little bit more sense once we start talking about what exactly went wrong with the show. Now allow me for a moment to focus specifically on the main character of John Dorian, or JD, played by Zach Braff. JD is unquestionably the heart and soul of the show. 
which in modern sitcoms is a little bit more unusual. I feel like a lot of sitcoms will start off by having a main protagonist and later have more of an ensemble feel as the show goes on. And don't get me wrong, there's a lot of very important characters in this show, and the ensemble as a whole is very strong. But I think, without a doubt, JD is the most important character of this show, and his absence is felt very strongly. If you look at a show like Friends or New Girl, you can feasibly take a character out of an episode and their absence is not going to be felt as badly. Take, for example, season five of New Girl when Zoe Deschanel went on maternity leave for a few episodes and we got to see the rest of the cast really shine. It was already becoming such an ensemble show that taking out the character of Jessica Day didn't actually seem to make that much of a difference despite her being the main protagonist. That's not the case with Scrubs. And that's because JD single-handedly sets the tone for the show. And this is done structurally through his daydreams. It's the most famous concept of the show where JD will tilt his head to the side and he goes off into his own little fantasy land and you see a ridiculous vignette of what he is imagining another character in the show doing or him doing or just any crazy fantasy someone could possibly have. Whether he's imagining dancing to 99 Red Balloons getting everybody to dress up and do the rerun dance, floating head doctor where he imagines what his life would be like if his head and his body were separated, or my personal favorite fantasy, and I know it's not even that ridiculous, but my personal favorite JD fantasy is when he's imagining uh, what Dr. Cox would do with his weekend alone at home, and he has him slide in, doing like the little risky business slide in, and then <laughs> and then uh, JD joins him and does the little risky business slide in, and then Turk comes in with the risky business slide in, and then it's a whole conversation about how they weren't supposed to all pile onto this slide in. And as the show goes on throughout the seasons, these fantasies take up more and more time and become consistently more and more outrageous, uh, and they're allowed to be. I don't think it's something that takes away from the show. Uh, I think they just get funnier and funnier as the writers decided to get riskier and riskier with it. The reason that this makes JD such an important character is that when you have a show like 30 Rock or Family Guy, where the cutaways are a built-in part of the show, those cutaways can happen from any character. But the idea that this cutaway is specifically attached to JD and his own imagination means that JD has to be a part of the narrative in order for those cutaways and vignettes to happen. Not only that, but he is also the main narrator of every episode. His narration is what ties together the theme of every episode and helps to consolidate all the various different plot points that are happening throughout every episode. This is toyed around with a little bit throughout the series that you'll see in certain episodes like his story or her story or our story, wherein JD will not be as present throughout the episode, whether it be through fatigue or being kidnapped and dumped in a water tower. But for whatever reason, JD is not the central character for that episode. 
he will make physical contact with another character and in that way kind of transfer the powers of narration onto that character. Uh, So we get to experience that whole episode through Carla's narration or through the janitor's narration or Bob Kelso's narration. I do think it's interesting that they try to give everyone a chance to shine by doing that. Personally, I'm not a huge fan of those episodes. I don't like the change in formatting, and I just feel like I remember those episodes a little bit less. This is just a personal preference. I don't think that those episodes are by any mean bad all across the board. They're just not my personal favorite because, like I said, I think JD is so instrumental to the tone of the show. And I think the tone of the show is really based off of his personality. He is a very vibrant and optimistic person. He deeply cares about each and every patient that he sees. Silly, introspective, highly emotional. These are all descriptive words that can apply to both JD and the show. And when I dive in a little bit later to that initial point of decline and subsequently the second point of decline in which we reach the stage of unwatchability, you will see how that directly correlates to where JD's character is in the show at that moment. But for right now, let's move on. A great thing that this show does is give you an insight into the complexities of the medical field and the healthcare system in the United States. We see this play out mainly through the dynamic between Bob Kelso, the chief of medicine, and Dr. Cox. Dr. Cox is an incredibly complex and interesting character, at least to me personally, because he could be so unlikable. He is rude, he's insensitive, he's angry, he does nothing but berate and go on really long rants and really stretch out his syllables. However, he is sort of a hero in the show. Not only is he an incredible doctor, but he really does care about healing people. He takes his job extremely seriously, and that's why he's such a serious person. He's constantly the person who's standing up to Kelso's budget cuts, or anything that he disagrees with in how the hospital is run, and in doing so, he puts his own professional life on the line. He's not about climbing the ladder, he's about doing what he thinks is right in standing by his patients. Personally, my favorite Dr. Cox episodes have to do with his dynamic with Jordan, who is played by Krista Miller. Uh, I love the character of Jordan, Uh, his super cruel uh, ex-wife who later essentially becomes his actual wife. And in a wonderful clash, while JD brings the emotion and the comedy to this medical comedy, Dr. Cox is the one that centers it around medicine and provides the dramatic element of it. Especially because he has no idea how to process any kind of emotion. We see that specifically in the season 3 episode, episode 14, My Screw Up, with guest star Brendan Fraser. This is widely considered to be one of the all-time best episodes of Scrubs, wherein uh, Jordan's brother, Ben, who Dr. Cox is super close to, actually passes away, and Dr. Cox goes into kind of a state of denial. This whole episode is an amazing example of the writing on Scrubs because we don't know until the very end of the episode that Ben is the 
person who has actually died. We have been led to believe throughout the entire episode that it is another patient that Dr. Cox and JD have been fighting about, and that's what makes the reveal at the end heartbreaking as well as just like, damn, okay, scrubs, nice, I see you on that big reveal. Before I get to the initial decline in Scrubs, I think it's important that I just quickly touch on the final three main characters that I haven't really talked about, Turk, Carla, and Elliot. Turk is probably my favorite character on the show. Uh, I love that he's a dumb jock, but he's not really dumb because he's a really good surgeon. Out of all the characters, he's the one who kind of reads the most like a real person to me. I know that that sounds a little bit crazy because Turk is such a funny character and he's often involved in JD's, you know, really crazy and immature stunts, like Giant Doctor or just spinning around and doing the eagle. Like, their bromance is definitely legendary, don't get me wrong. But I think the biggest difference between him and JD is that he's not as resistant to what it takes to actually become a full adult. He's super competitive about petty things, but that also makes him highly ambitious. He wants to be the best surgeon there is. We see this in the episode My Extra Mile, season 5, episode 15, where he finds out that he is not top of the list in the rankings of surgeons, and he does everything that he can to get himself to the top. We see this in season 7, where he campaigns hard to become the chief of surgery. He's very principled, he's very convicted in his religious beliefs, and a big push and pull in his relationship with JD is that JD wants them to have fun together all the time, and throughout the series, Turk gets married to Carla, and they have two kids. I just really like his character arc, and I think he's really realistic because he's not all fun all the time, and he's not all responsibility all the time, and he has different dynamics with different people. And side note, I just think Donald Faison uh, plays that part really perfectly and is super funny. So uh, there you go. It's also worth mentioning that the bromance chemistry between Turk and JD is so amazing, but it's made even better if you know that in real life, Zach Braff and Donald Faison are actually super close friends. They actually just put out a podcast together called Fake Doctors Real Friends, where they go through every single episode of Scrubs and watch it together and talk about what the experience was like. I highly, highly recommend it if you guys want to re-watch the series when you're done listening to this podcast episode, of course. And uh, want some inside scoop, because it's kind of like getting a commentary for every single episode of the show, so go check that out when you're done with this. I don't have a lot to say about Carla, uh, played by Judy Reyes, other than to say that I do like this character a lot, however, I think that she really falls victim to a lot of flanderization as the series goes on. Uh, Carla is definitely a busybody, she's the bossy, mama bear type character, she's kind of like Monica from Friends. She's also very sweet and sexy, and I like her relationship with Turk a lot. However, my big beef is that in the earlier seasons, she comes across as highly essential to the functioning of Sacred Heart. We especially see it in the first season when she calls JD Bambi, and, you know, she helps him do an IV for the first time. 
And I feel like as JD and Elliot and Turk get more proficient in their jobs, that part of her character kind of goes away a little bit more, and they start to bring out a little bit more harshness to her character. I'm not trying to bag on Carla at all because I love a strong female character, and she is one of my favorite characters in the earlier seasons, but I think once they don't have that dynamic of JD and Turk and Elliot needing guidance from her, they tend to give her a lot of storylines where she just kind of comes across as the naggy wife, and I really hate it when female characters are pigeonholed into that role, uh, and it just gets worse after they get married and have kids. All of their storylines really seem to revolve around Carla and Turk's relationship, and we don't get to see her dynamic with other characters as much. So I will say that is an element of the series that I definitely think goes downhill, probably starting in season three. A character that I actually think gets better throughout the series is Elliot Reed, played by Sarah Chalk, I think out of any character on this show, Elliot goes through the most character development, and I think it's done so in a very believable way. She starts very unsure of herself and very nervous. She is absolutely terrified of Dr. Cox, and she never really stands up for herself. And I think in the first two seasons, this insecurity, plus the fact that she's paired up with JD romantically, leads to her not really being able to shine comedically as much, at least in my opinion. In the first two seasons, I don't think we're getting as much comedy from Elliot Reed as we get in the later seasons, but that all changes in season three, episode one, My Own American Girl. In this episode, Elliot really acknowledges her own insecurities and how they are holding her back as a doctor. She goes through a huge transformation physically, where she cuts her hair, starts wearing really tight and kind of sexier outfits, and she becomes more of a badass. The good part about this storyline is that it doesn't change who Elliot is. Uh, If anything, she becomes more neurotic as the seasons go on. She's a proud, nervous pooer. She has rules about when you can or cannot talk to her. Don't ever talk to her through a bathroom door. And because of this, she is a very controlling and compulsive person. But this really does change her character where it counts, and that is her abilities to be a good doctor. We see through Elliot going into a fellowship and through her becoming a private practice doctor that she actually really does know what she's doing. And despite being a cartoonishly neurotic and rigid character, she is really, really good at what she does. This really serves to make the audience like her more and make you root for her. And actually it makes you kind of root for her relationship with JD more. Because she's a more established character, we now begin to see her as somebody outside of the realm of being JD's love interest. And I love that while she is a character who is very open about wanting to have kids, and in fact that is a running gag throughout the show, is that she's so obsessed with Carla and Turk's baby. She's also not a character who's willing to sacrifice her career, and she's not willing to settle. Uh, We see that in her relationship with Keith throughout the series. Uh, Keith Dudemeister, the guy that she almost marries, and inevitably realizes that she's not fully in love with him, at least not enough to settle down with him. We see this in her relationship with Sean, when she initially 
has feelings for him, but ultimately decides that she needs to spend most of her time focusing on becoming a better doctor. Ultimately, that relationship is destroyed by JD, who confesses his love for Elliot and just quickly takes it back, basically, in the next episode. I think that's the most fucked up thing that JD does throughout the entire series. And I love how there is a whole season of Fallout. Uh, In the entire fourth season, there is a big rift between JD and Elliot's friendship. Uh, I also like the fact that in seasons four and five, JD and Elliot struggle to kind of continue their friendship because they are so bogged down in the fact that they're exes. They have a complicated history. They're both seeing other people. They both have other priorities in their life. I think that's a more realistic way of portraying a relationship between exes There is going to be some obvious fallout when you have a torrid history with somebody, and I like the fact that the writers didn't just try to smooth everything over with them right away just because they were two of the main characters. I think Elliot is such an important character to the show and is ultimately incredibly interesting because through her, we really see the struggle that these doctors are having to maintain their personal life and their work life. She starts off the series as someone who is so incredibly focused on doing their best as an intern that she's willing to sell JD up the river during rounds. She purposefully gives him uh, the incorrect answer to one of the questions that they're asked just so that she can swoop in and give the correct one. She sacrifices her relationships again and again so that she can work towards becoming the kind of doctor that she wants to be. But she ultimately learns how to maintain a balance that's healthy for her. In the ninth season, one of the final episodes that we see Elliot in is episode 6, Our New Girl Bro. In this episode, we see Elliot serving as a mentor to medical student Lucy, who is becoming exhausted and overworked by all the demands of medical school. As much as I am not a fan of the ninth season, and we will get to that in a moment, I did think this was an interesting storyline. In this episode, we see Lucy being exhausted and overworked by the demands of medical school, and she turns to Elliot as somewhat of a mentor. However, she's disappointed when Elliot chooses to leave as soon as her shift is over and not go the extra mile, in Lucy's opinion, to help take care of a patient. Lucy accuses her of being selfish, of being a doctor who doesn't care about her patients. And there's a big confrontation scene between Elliot and Lucy where Elliot kind of pulls her into the patient's room and is like, okay, you think you can take care of this patient better than I can? Why don't you just do a simple IV? And Lucy can't. And she has to concede to the fact that Elliot knows what she's doing a little better. And Elliot concedes to the fact that her priorities are different now. Uh, At this point in the series, she's married to JD, and she's pregnant. And she explains that she has learned over time that if she's not getting sleep, if she is not eating, if she's not taking care of herself first then there's no possible way that she can ever take care of her patients. We've seen her go from a character who was so caught up in being the best that she was willing to sacrifice anything, and now we're seeing an Elliot who is confident enough to prioritize and is, at this point in the series, even willing to prioritize her personal life over her professional life. Also, as a side note, I just have to say that Elliot is the subject of one of my all-time favorite gags throughout the series. 
in season five, episode 24, My Transition, there's this amazing gag that they do throughout the episode where JD is trying to get together with this urologist played by Elizabeth Banks. And every time they get close to having a nice romantic moment, Elliot bursts through the door and ruins it. And we get a wonderful subtitle and narration by JD that goes, Elliot Reed, moment killer. And it's my favorite joke in the entire series, and I think about it all the time. But that's neither here nor there. Now let me talk about the seasons just a little bit. The reason that I decided to spend more time focusing on the characters rather than going through it season by season is that I feel like a lot of these seasons can blend together. As much as I do love the show Scrubs, I do think that a problem with it is it does tend to get a little bit repetitive. And we'll definitely talk about that when I get to my first point of decline in the series. I generally tend to think about seasons one and two as a unit. This is when JD, Turk, and Elliot are interns. I feel like in the first two seasons of the show, everything is a little bit more reserved. JD's fantasies haven't gone completely off the deep end yet. The janitor is still mainly interacting with JD and JD only. And he is only really a jerk and not like a full-blown sociopath as we see happens later in the series. Everybody is a lot less cartoonish. Uh, Usually when a show has their characters become a lot more cartoonish, it means that the show is declining. I, however, think that that flanderization kind of works in Scrubs because it's already such an over-the-top and slapsticky show. I think that exaggerating everybody's features only serves to benefit the comedy, but we're actually not really getting that in the first two seasons. And that's not to say that the first two seasons aren't great, because they really are. There's that incredible episode with JD and Elliot where their whole relationship takes place pretty much in just one episode and they spend the whole episode in bed having sex and eating pizza and you kind of just see how quickly it devolves because they're not in the place to be together yet. There's this wonderful arc with Amy Smart as a guest star uh, where she is the tasty coma wife that JD starts to date and they have sex at her husband's funeral. And there's this amazing line where they have sex in the funeral closet. And JD says, you know, there's a lot of ways to grieve. But last I checked, wheelbarrow style wasn't one of them. I also tend to group seasons three and four together in my mind. JD, Turk, and Elliot are residents now, and you kind of start to see them try to gather their footing in their careers a little bit more. I really like seasons three and four a lot. This is probably my personal favorite era of the show because they're still trying to get their footing a little bit at Sacred Heart. They're residents at this point, and I really feel like we see the most development in their confidence in seasons three and four. A lot of important things happen in these seasons outside of just their time at the hospital. I mean, we see Turk and Carla get married in this. We see a lot of marital problems start to pop up between them. We even get this storyline where JD and Carla kiss. And we get this storyline where Turk is like talking to his ex-girlfriend, but she doesn't know that he's married. And I think a lot of people kind of had problems with this storyline because when you have such a central couple like Turk and Carla, 
audiences don't really respond well to there being a lot of conflict between them. I personally really enjoyed it because I feel like Turk and Carla are at such different points in maturity that you kind of have to have something big like these missteps take place in order for them to really like catch up to one another and where they're at in their relationship. And I think by both of them making a big misstep, it kind of evens out the playing field a little bit more and they can work on getting their relationship a little bit more on track. I personally really like those storylines, but unsurprisingly, I'm more of a sucker for the storylines that involve their personal lives rather than the medical aspects of the show because I'm a romance bitch. We see Jordan and Dr. Cox's relationship developing a lot more as he's really stepping up to the plate to help raise their son, Jack. There's this amazing episode in season four, episode four, My First Kill, where Dr. Cox tells everybody in kind of a fit of inspirational rage that eventually they will all be responsible for the death of a patient, and they're all kind of on the lookout to see who's going to die and who's going to be responsible, and they all kind of go back through this catalog of their mistakes in their brain, trying to figure out if they've ever killed a patient before. There's so many great moments between JD and Dr. Cox in these seasons. I feel like their mentorship slash love-hate relationship is really fleshed out in these seasons. There's this great episode in season four, episode six, My Cake, where JD finds out that his father has died, and Dr. Cox kind of has to step up to the plate and figure out how to be there for JD emotionally, even though he's not an emotional guy. We're also starting to see a big shift in dynamic between JD and Elliot. Elliot starts to emerge as a better doctor and starts to kind of come into her own, and JD has to struggle with the fact that he's not always going to be the golden boy, and that other people might start to challenge him a little bit. We've seen in these first four seasons that JD is kind of the go-to golden child of Sacred Heart, and that really starts to change in these seasons, which I think really amplifies this thorough line in JD's character arc, which is that he has a really hard time maturing and growing up compared to the rest of the characters. If you look at Turk and how he gets married and has a child over the course of the show, how Elliot really starts to come into her own professionally. By the time we start getting into the later seasons, while JD is still a great doctor, he's kind of starting to fall behind in comparison to the rest of the ensemble. And I think that's really important when we start to go into the later seasons. Seasons 5, 6, and 7 really kind of group together in my mind. Uh, This is when JD becomes an attending, and we really see a lot of other characters start to be introduced. We have a lot of interns who are coming in throughout the series now, who JD is kind of in charge of. He continues to kind of go through a slew of love interests. We have Mandy Moore coming in for a few episodes. Uh, Elizabeth Banks comes in at the end of season five and becomes a very important character to JD's development. I'll get to that in a moment. Because unfortunately, we are about to enter the first point of decline in the series, Scrubs. Now, as a reminder, the first point of decline does not mean that the show has become unwatchable. That's for a little bit later. The first point of decline happens when the show starts to tonally shift in a way that's different 
The show is no longer as fresh as it once was. Characters and character relationships are shifting in a way that is very noticeable to the audience. And while there are still a lot of good episodes, even after this first point of decline, this is the point in which the series will never be the same again. I'm going to be fully honest here and say that it was super hard for me to pinpoint when this moment exactly happened in Scrubs, because this show was actually very solid for most of its run. I had to really sift through these episodes thoroughly, and at first I thought, you know, maybe it's when Tark and Tark, oh my god, I'm keeping that in there. (laughs) At first I thought that it was maybe when Turk and Carla have a baby, because that's a huge shift in the show. I thought maybe it's when Elliot starts her fellowship at the county hospital, because we're kind of segmenting that character off from everybody else. I thought maybe it's even just the fact that they've become attendings. Maybe maybe that's too much for the show. Maybe the show only works when JD and Elliot and Turk kind of still feel like they're a little bit green. Maybe maybe they're too professional at this point. Maybe being attendings just doesn't work as well as when they were interns or residents. But then I was looking through the episode list of season five and there were just so many good episodes. There's My Day at the Races when JD and Elliot move in together. There's My Jiggly Ball, which is a great Kelso episode where JD has to figure out a way to introduce him at an awards dinner, even though Dr. Kelso's not the most likable person. There are these two really great episodes that go hand in hand in season five, episode 20, My Lunch, and episode 21, My Fallen Idol. These are two of my all-time favorite episodes in the series. Uh, In the first episode, My Lunch, JD is feeling guilty when a former patient dies of a drug overdose. Uh, He had run into her earlier in the real world outside of the hospital, and he is kicking himself over the fact that he didn't pick up on any any of the signs of her drug use. There's this incredible moment in the show where Dr. Cox is talking to JD about how he can't take a patient's death personally, about how he's only human, and in this episode, Dr. Cox really seems to be on a roll. And at the end, we're kind of delivered this punch to the gut where all three of these patients that he's been pulling to get this organ transplant all die because in his haste to give them the organs from this donor, he fails to properly check the organ donor out, and it turns out that none of these organs were viable, and all three of these patients die. Episode 21 really deals with the fallout of that. Dr. Cox is just sitting at home, depressed, inconsolable, and drinking the day away, and we think the whole time that JD, who has revered Dr. Cox throughout the series is just going to jump at the chance to be there for him, and instead, he's resistant to it, and he doesn't want to see Dr. Cox like that, and he doesn't really want to accept the fact that Dr. Cox is a human being who makes mistakes. There's also this great arc at the end of season five where JD is trying to get together with Dr. Kim Briggs, a urologist played by Elizabeth Banks, and all of their encounters together are just so awkward. They only really go on one real date, and then at the end of season five, we're left with this cliffhanger, and that is Kim revealing to JD that she's pregnant with his baby. 
And while this moment doesn't serve as the initial point of decline, I think that this story arc really kicks off what, to me, is the point of decline in the series. And I think that first point of decline comes to us in Season 6, Episode 2, My Best Friend's Baby's Baby and My Baby's Baby. This is the episode where Carla gives birth to her and Turk's daughter, Izzy. The whole episode is set in the hospital, really centering around Carla in labor. But meanwhile, Kim and JD are kind of discussing their options and what they want to do about this unplanned pregnancy. And don't get me wrong, I don't think that this is necessarily a bad episode. In fact, I think there are a lot of good episodes in season six. I mean, season six is when we get the musical episode, which is very polarizing. Some people love it. Some people hate it. I'm on the fence. It's okay. But the reason that I think season six, episode two signifies the initial point of decline in the series is because, and this is gonna sound weird, but stay with me, this is the point where things mature the most. Turk and Carla are pregnant now. Dr. Cox and Jordan are really establishing like a stable, almost traditional relationship, whether or not they want to admit it. And JD is becoming a father. A big story arc in season six and seven is that because he's becoming a father, JD really struggles with the fact that he has to now mature. And while I think that this is realistic, I mean, obviously having a kid changes everything about your life, I think that because JD is the center point of the tone of the show, when he has to change and mature, the show has to change and mature. And that takes away a little bit of the magic. It's kind of a catch-22, because if JD was still behaving the way that he was in season one or two, you would dislike him because he's becoming a dad now and he needs to grow up. And that's even a big focus in season six and seven. Even in season seven, there's an episode called My Inconvenient Truth where his brother comes to town and points out the fact like you're you're acting like you're this grown up and you haven't even gone to see your son. You're kind of putting off becoming an adult. These are things that we're not supposed to really like about JD. But then once he does decide to change and does decide to become a bit more of an adult, we're kind of missing that fun from the show. So it's almost like there's a no win in that situation. Another thing I don't like that much about season six and seven is that it gets super repetitive. There's not as much character growth for the other members of the ensemble in these seasons. And we even get some plot points that are very similar to earlier plot points that we've seen. For example, in season six, episode 12, My Fishbowl, there's a whole storyline where Dr. Cox tells Carla that she's not funny. And this is kind of reminiscent of an earlier season. I believe it's season two, where they talk about how Carla doesn't have a sense of humor about herself. And then, of course, she goes off to prove them otherwise. So we've kind of seen this before. We're seeing this in season six, episode 13, My Scrubs, where Elliot is trying to prove that a drug addict who we've seen in an earlier season is now reformed. And Dr. Cox is trying to convince her otherwise. 
this is directly correlating to an episode that we saw in episode one, where that drug addict comes in and tries to trick Elliot into giving him drugs, and Dr. Cox tries to convince her otherwise. I understand that it's interesting to check back in with this character, like, five seasons later, but it's kind of a repetitive arc, don't you think? There is a storyline in season six in episodes 14 and 15 where Laverne and Dr. Cox debate about tragedy and whether or not everything happens for a reason, only for Nurse Laverne to be hit by a car in that episode. And then the subsequent episode, episode 15, is all about the staff, you know, paying their respects and saying goodbye to her. There's a really amazing emotional scene where Carla is saying goodbye to Nurse Roberts. But then this is kind of undercut by the fact that they bring back that actress, Aloma Wright, to play a character who is essentially Laverne. They even call her Laverne again. Bill Lawrence ended up killing off that character because he was under the impression that season six was going to be their last season. So he brought Aloma Wright back in season seven to kind of keep her around because he felt so bad that she had been written off the show. But I just feel like that kind of undercut the emotion of that episode. While I was rewatching this series, I really found myself struggling to get through season six and seven. There are some plot points that I really do like. I really like the beginning of season seven where JD is kind of just faking his way through his relationship with Kim out of obligation. I actually really like the episode where she does give birth, episode two in season seven, My Hard Labor. I think Elizabeth Banks is a really great guest star in these episodes. But to me, these seasons, and especially season seven, are ultimately just lacking in the freshness and pizzazz that we saw in the earlier seasons of Scrubs. We're not getting as much of the bromance between Turk and JD, and while they do touch on that, and I do think that is realistic because obviously these two are moving on to other points in their life, I kind of feel like that takes away a little bit of the fun of the show. This was a show that was constantly hanging on by a thread in their later seasons. It seems like after season four, they pretty much thought every season was going to be their last. And so they would write these endings, like season six, where they wrote Laverne's plotline of being killed off, and then this weird storyline in season seven where Kelso was forced into retirement, and then there's this weird episode that I hate in season seven. It's the last aired episode of season seven entitled My Princess, where it's kind of like a medieval fairy tale that Dr. Cox is telling to his son. They would do weird things like this because they thought that season six was going to be their last season. Oh wait, no, season seven is going to be their last season. And this was kind of the show that wouldn't die at this point. I know that really sounds harsh, but I feel like there comes a time where you just have to say, okay, I'm making the choice that this is when the show ends. And instead, they revived the show like four seasons in a row. And I just think that that kind of reflects on the fact that they wrote themselves into a lot of corners. And it seems at this point that they had kind of hit a wall and were essentially perpetuating something that was lacking the sparkle that it had once had. But now let's get into the moment that Scrubs became unwatchable. Now, if you're a big fan of Scrubs, and I assume that you are if you're listening to this podcast, 
or at least that you're very familiar with the show, it's easy to look at season nine and pinpoint that, that terrible, freakish reanimation of a corpse as the moment that Scrubs became unwatchable. But I'm actually going to argue that season eight is what fully did the show in. Don't worry, I have a lot to say about season nine, but I feel it's important to acknowledge the train wreck of a show that season eight brought us. Now, a lot went on behind the scenes between season seven and season eight. Now, season seven was intended to be the final season of Scrubs. Uh, It was being produced during the 2007 to 2008 Writers Guild of America strike, which meant that it had a reduced number of episodes in the season with 18 written and only 11 making it to air. Now, after season seven, NBC ultimately canceled Scrubs only for it to be picked up again for an eighth season by ABC. And if we've learned anything from Community or The Mindy Project or Arrested Development, it's that shows always do their best after they have been dropped from their first distributor and find themselves on a different platform. I have a lot of actor friends out there, and I always tell them, if you're concerned that your series is getting canceled, just look at the facts. Have they switched your time slot multiple times? Have they scheduled you for a mid-season release instead of a full-season release? Have you switched showrunners multiple times? Are you getting an order for less and less episodes per season? Has your show been rubber banded between cancelled and then not cancelled and then cancelled and then not cancelled until you finally were dropped from your original platform and found yourself on an entirely different network? Well, if you answered yes to any or all of these questions, don't worry. The industry clearly sees you as a viable source of income, and you're sure to have at least 10 to 15 more seasons under your belt in no time. That's what happened to Scrubs, my friend. In fact, ABC was so confident in their pickup of Scrubs that they demanded the budget be slashed entirely. This led to multiple main cast members having to take breaks in episodes. Go through and rewatch the eighth season of Scrubs, and there are episode chunks in which main characters just don't appear for no reason. There's even episodes that JD isn't in. And they had to do this in order to slash the budget. And this wasn't just done for the actors. This was also done for the writing staff. To cut costs, they had to split the writing staff into two groups. One group was given the first seven episodes, and the second was given the rest of the season. They even resurrected an episode that was partially written and filmed in season seven before being disrupted by the writer's strike. And they did this so that they could save the costs of writing and filming an entirely new episode. If this doesn't spell doom for a show, I don't know what does. This led to a kind of disjointed feeling in season eight. And this also gave the show kind of a feeling of the fourth season of Arrested Development, I don't know if you guys are aware, but in the fourth season of Arrested Development, they had to film the show an entirely different way because the actors were so big at that point, they couldn't afford to have them all on set at the same time, and their schedules were so different that they weren't all available at the same time. So they had to like film these disjointed episodes where the characters were like not all interacting with each other, and that's kind of how it feels in season eight of Scrubs. The main characters aren't really all together all the time. It's 
Very weird, but you're definitely losing a big chunk of the ensemble. Now, because of this, I have pinpointed the exact moment in season eight that Scrubs became unwatchable. The moment that the show becomes so irredeemably bad, so off-puttingly annoying, that nobody who loved it in the first seven seasons could possibly see it as it once was. This is the moment that Scrubs collapsed in on itself like a dying star. Now you're probably asking yourself, what? What was it? What killed Scrubs? Was it Aziz Ansari and his annoying-ass intern character that pops up in the first half of season eight and then is ultimately written out with no explanation, even though he gets arguably the most screen time as any other intern that they introduced that year? Is it the moment that Dr. Cox is promoted to chief of medicine? which is something that we thought was inevitable for his character, but seeing it play out on screen ultimately is a reminder of the fact that his character, while a hero of the show in prior seasons, will now be doomed to forever follow in the path of Dr. Kelso and make unpopular decisions for the hospital that have more to do with budgets than the actual benefit of the patients? Is that what it is? Is it that untimely changing of the character of Dr. Cox that nobody wants to see in this new role? We just like the idea of it, but seeing it actually play out is another thing? Or... Is it Zach Braff's beard? All these things and more are big reasons why I hate season eight of Scrubs, but I feel that the moment that this show has gone past the point of no return takes place in season eight, episode one, My Jerks. Let's play the moment three minutes and 30 seconds in to the eighth season premiere of Scrubs, where we are introduced to Courtney Cox's character, Dr. Taylor Maddox, and what I believe is the moment that Scrubs became unwatchable. Okay, I'm going to tell you everything you need to know about me. One, I have an open door policy. Two, if you do your job well, you're great with me. Okay. And three, I don't like spiders. So if you see one, I want you to stomp it. I want you to stomp it dead. Okay? I don't want you to put it into a little cup and take it outside because it'll just find its way back in. Okay, they're sneaky. Oh, can someone help that man to his room? Oh, no. Uh, I'm not sick. I'm just cold and there are no chairs. I'm, I'm a lawyer. Of course you are, sweetie. I'm on it. She's the new boss, Ted. Does it hurt here? Or here? How about here? Or under here? Do I know you? Jimmy, heel! Slowly move. No, Jimmy. Slowly move. Don't rush anything. Oh, Jimmy. Breathe deep for me, real slow. I just want to feel you breathe. Yeah, that's a boy, that's a boy, that's a boy. Okay, breathe on my face. That's right, you guys. I said it. I said it, and I meant it. Courtney Cox in her role as the new chief of medicine, and Taryn Killam in his role as Jimmy, the overly touchy-feely orderly, conspired together to bring Scrubs down from the inside. Together, they collaborated to make two characters who are so one-note, so devoid of humor, so obnoxious, that Scrubs could not revive itself. And if it did, it would only revive itself enough to have one more season that was somehow even worse 
than the season prior. That's right, we're going to get into season 9 in just a moment. But I thought that this clip was important to play. And while I do think that Ted is kind of funny in this clip, especially the part where he says, I'm a lawyer, (laughs) uh, that's really an homage to the first few seasons when Ted and other characters who are funny get to be featured. But oh no, not in season seven. In season seven, we get to focus on Courtney Cox for a few episodes, and then we get to focus on weird side characters like Jimmy, and then we get to focus on the new interns, who are all kind of forgettable. We get, uh, Katie, played by Betsy Butler, who is the, uh, self-centered and perky intern. Uh, we have Ed, the lazy intern, played by Aziz Ansari. We have a weird episode, uh, in season eight called My ABCs where the gang from Sesame Street makes a cameo, in case you guys forgot that the show is on ABC now. In fact, the only new character who they introduce in this season who is even somewhat likable is Denise, played by Eliza Coop. Uh, I don't know if it's just because I happen to really like Eliza Coop as an actress, or because Happy Endings is a pretty good show, or what. But uh, Denise is really the only saving grace of season eight, and uh, she's not even that fleshed out. I chose this clip because I really think that it pinpoints the fact that in season eight, we're gonna be focusing on a bunch of new characters who are written in and then written out unexpectedly, and we're not really going to see any major characters that have a lot of development. They're just going to kind of be floating around. I think that's why it was so hard for me to get through season 8 of Scrubs when I had to rewatch the series to make this episode. And I think it's ultimately why Scrubs season 8 is just unwatchable. I mean, Kelso's there, but he's just kind of a sad character now who hangs around the hospital and eats muffins. The janitor is still there, but... I don't know how many fucking times I can see a plot point with him in the brain trust. Elliot and JD do get together finally in this season, which I do enjoy, uh, but I feel like we've just seen it so many times that it's a little bit lackluster. I will say the biggest bright spot to me is actually the finale of season 8. In season 8 episodes 18 and 19, which is part 1 and part 2 of the finale, I really do think that they have a good reason for JD deciding to leave Sacred Heart. I mean, he wants to move and be closer to his son, Sam. I think that there's this really beautiful moment at the end of the episode where he's kind of watching this projection on this screen and just watching what he hopes the rest of his life turns out like. And it's him and Elliot having kids and... Sam getting married to Carla and Turk's daughter, Izzy, and and I really do love this moment. It's kind of really heartwarming and sweet, but it doesn't wrap the series up completely neatly with a little bow because this is just his fantasy. It's not what we're being told will actually happen. I think it really plays into the element of JD's fantasies very well. We finally get this beautiful moment between him and Dr. Cox where we finally learn what Dr. Cox actually thinks about him and the fact that he does respect him as a doctor. I think for all the shit that I've talked about season 8, a really good part of it to me is that throughout the series we've seen that, you know, Dr. Cox in his own way is kind of a protege for Dr. Kelso. And 
JD is kind of a protege for Dr. Cox, even though all three of these characters are so different from one another, we're kind of made to believe that that's the way that the system of the hospital has to work. There has to be kind of a ball buster at the top. There has to be another person who's willing to fight for things and and be the voice of the people. And I think we're also kind of led to believe in a way that Denise will somehow be the new JD. She'll start to fill his role and it'll just be a cycle. And I think that's kind of beautiful. I think that's a, a nice way to tie up the series. So I do have to say that I consider the season 8 finale to be the official finale of Scrubs. And whether or not you like season 8, obviously I don't. I do think that we have to give props to the way that this finale was written. I think that Bill Lawrence really tied it up in a wonderful way. I like that every character kind of gets a moment to shine when when JD is walking down the hall of Sacred Heart for the last time. And we get a flashback to all of these characters and patients that he's seen before. Everyone kind of gets their little moment for the audience to say goodbye to them. And I love it when finales do this. I think that it was just a really beautiful and emotional way to tie up JD's story. Even though I will absolutely not watch any other episode in season 8 ever again because it's just completely unwatchable to me, I think every once in a while I might have make a little time to go back and watch that finale because it does tug at the heartstrings. So that's it. Uh, Scrubs is dead. That's the end of the series. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh... That'll be all. Uh, That's over and done with. And everyone have a great day. I fucking wish. You didn't think I'd let us leave without talking about season nine, did you? Oh, no, 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 no. I've got a lot to say about season nine. I'm going to try to keep this short and sweet because we've already pinpointed the moment of unwatchability in Scrubs. And you might be thinking, Chloe, come on, how is season nine not the point of unwatchability in season scrubs? And that's because I don't even like to consider season nine as scrubs. I like to consider season nine a spinoff series. I like to think of it almost as a weird standalone series where they just kind of incorporated old characters into it. The first time I watched Scrubs all the way through, I never watched season 9. I just left it at season 8 because I had heard that season 9 was so bad. But because I love you guys, for this series, I went through and I watched every single episode of season 9. And some of them I even watched multiple times. The production background on season 9 is very weird. Uh, Bill Lawrence kind of wanted it to serve as a spinoff series called Scrubs Med, but ABC wouldn't let him do this. They insisted that it fall under the main threshold of the original series. Only three regulars from the original running of Scrubs agreed to be a part of this. Uh, John C. McGinley, Donald Faison, and Eliza Coop all signed one-year contracts for the last 13 episodes 
Zach Braff appeared in six out of the 13 episodes of season nine. Sarah Chalk appeared in four out of the 13 episodes. Ken Jenkins appeared in nine episodes. And Neil Flynn appeared in one scene in the season's first episode. This season focuses on students at a med school where JD and Turk and Dr. Cox are all teachers. And Denise is one of the attendings at their learning hospital. Or maybe she's a resident. I don't fucking know because I couldn't pay attention to half of this trash. And JD's not even the narrator of the show anymore. Uh, now the main protagonist is Lucy, played by Carrie Bechet. Uh, she is the show's new narrator. She is the one who's having fantasies. Essentially, they try to create a female JD. She daydreams a lot. She's overwhelmed and feeling new, kind of like how JD was at the very first season of the original version of Scrubs. Uh, She's a horse girl. Dave Franco is a main part of the cast. Uh, He plays Cole Aronson, who's kind of like this playboy kind of dumbass who's dad owns the hospital or something like that. Uh, Michael Mosley plays Drew Suffin, who is uh, Cox's new favorite protege, and he has a relationship with Denise. The problem with this season isn't necessarily that it's not well written. It's that it's a different show masquerading itself as a show that already existed and wrapped up. It's almost like someone is doing a crossover of Scrubs and whatever the fuck this show is. This med school show. And there are these episodes that, like, Dr. Cox and Turk and JD aren't even, like, relevant in. So why are they even there? Why are we pretending that this is still Scrubs? JD comes back as a professor, but he's only there for, like, six episodes. And then he leaves, and there was no really a real there wasn't a real reason for him to be there in the first place so then they try to give him a goodbye and it's just like it doesn't emotionally hit there's this random episode with him and Elliot as they prepare for like the baby that Elliot is about to have because they're married and she's pregnant with his child and they're acting all freaked out about it even though he already has a kid so like how is this new for him And that's like the last episode that we ever see Sarah Chalk and Zach Braff in. They're just like, oh, never mind. We're not scared about being parents anymore. The end. Then we never see him again. There's no conclusion for any of these old characters like Dr. Cox or Turk because they already had a conclusion in the previous season. And then we don't really get to know these new characters like Cole or Drew or Lucy because... We're so busy looking for those moments where we get to see our old buddies from Scrubs again and go, oh, look, look, it's Dr. Cox. There he is. He gets his one line this episode. So it's almost like these two shows are like battling against each other. It's clear that like Zach Braff and Sarah Chalk don't really want to be there, but they're just kind of there because they like Bill Lawrence and they like hanging out with each other. And I just feel like we never really get to connect with these new characters because they're not really that funny. It's like, with the original Scrubs, everybody kind of fit a character role. Elliot was the neurotic, Turk is the dumb jock, JD is the emotional one, Dr. Cox is kind of the, you know, the asshole. 
So they kind of had to find new characteristics for these new characters, but you can only kind of do so much in the first season. A lot of times, like, a new show will rely on these little, like, character niches so that you can kind of get a grasp for what the character is like, and then you get to flesh them out a little bit more. But a lot of those niches were already taken by other characters in Scrubs, so then they kind of had to try to create their own. But then they also had to steal from other characters. I mean, like I said, Lucy is kind of supposed to be the new JD, but they couldn't really go all the way with it because JD is still there. So all of these new characters kind of read like side characters or supporting characters, but they're not really supporting anyone because the lead character, JD, doesn't even freaking want to be there and gets written out in six episodes. It's a whole mess, and I could go on and on, but I feel like it's pretty clear why this show doesn't work. It's almost as if season eight was the reanimation of a fresh corpse, and season nine is the reanimation of a corpse uh, that has been dead for about 50 years. So you're trying to move the corpse and it's just all busted and dusty and the head fell off and oh, there's like no more toes on it. And I, this is a gruesome image, so maybe I'm just going to stop right now. But you get what I'm saying. Overall, I would like to think of Scrubs as the first eight seasons, and maybe season eight's not that great, but at least it sticks to what it was supposed to be. Season nine, I could live a thousand years and never see another moment of that season and be fine with it. The only bright spot for me is Eliza Coop, who is acting her ass off, and I wish that she had been brought into Scrubs in maybe season four or five so that we got to know her a little bit more. Uh, It's kind of a shame that the only way we really get to know her character is through the worst seasons of the show. I want to leave on a positive note, so I will say that having seven seasons of a show be really watchable is super hard to do, and even the more lackluster seasons of Scrubs are still really funny. There are still some incredible moments and incredible fantasies and just... I want to be friends with Turk and JD and Rowdy and hang out at their house and play video games, and that's the part of Scrubs that I want to remember. I think that it's amazing that Bill Lawrence was able to take something like a medical show and turn the genre on its head a little bit and actually make it really funny. I think that there was a lot of care put into Scrubs and that they really wanted to make it as realistic as they could. In fact, I have a lot of nurse and doctor friends who have told me that Scrubs is the most accurate medical show that they've seen on television, more so than ER or Grey's Anatomy, uh, and I don't know if that is something that should be concerning to me, or if that is kind of amazing. I'd love to know what you guys think about Scrubs. Uh, Please be sure to leave a rating and a review and subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. And go on our Instagram and talk to me about Scrubs. I want to hear what you guys have to say. Leave it in your review. Tell me when you think Scrubs became unwatchable. If you ever thought it became unwatchable. Maybe you love season nine. Maybe you're like, fuck yeah, this show has no flaws. I would love to hear your opinion. 
Thank you so much for joining me today on this episode of Unwatchable. I love doing this series for you. When It Became Unwatchable is one of my absolute favorite things to record, and I hope you enjoyed listening to it. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next time.